Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at EIU. I'm Kim Irvin, instructional designer at EIU and your host today. This podcast series is to further promote teaching excellence through the sharing of information related to instructional design, teaching strategies, and innovation. In this episode, I'll share the importance of applying universal design for learning to your courses through the creation of accessible PowerPoints. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This episode is part three in a series about Universal Design for Learning, or UDL for short. This series actually started with FDIC Director Dr. Michael Gillespie interviewing Student Disability Services Director Dr. April Jackson about common requests her office receives from our students. The types of requests Dr. Jackson described quickly turned their conversation to spotlighting the concept of UDL because implementation of UDL best practices into course design and course materials was and still is the remedy for a lot of the requests received by student disability services. The two previous podcasts were deeper dives into some of the UDL UDL topics discussed in the interview. Um, The part one episode discusses the definition of universal design for learning and the importance of captioning videos. The part two episode shares best practices for creating accessible Microsoft Word documents that then lead to accessible PDFs. And then in this episode, I'll round out the deep dive into topics discussed in the interview and share best practices for creating accessible PowerPoints. So without further ado, we'll get started with our first best practice. Number one is identify the title and author of the PowerPoint file in properties. Um, When this type of metadata is affiliated with a PowerPoint file, those using a screen reader can best organize and identify information about the file. So that's why that's important. Um, To find properties in Windows, first choose File from the very top menu bar, second choose Info, and third choose Properties. If you're on a Mac, first choose File and second choose Properties. Now at this point for both operating systems, a Properties dialog window has opened. Just choose the Summary tab in this window and then enter a title and author. Number two is to utilize the accessibility ribbon in PowerPoint. Did you know that there was an accessibility ribbon? PowerPoint does have an accessibility ribbon tab that brings all accessibility-related tools together in one place. If you don't see the accessibility ribbon tab, um, just more than likely it hasn't been turned on, simply go to the Review Ribbon tab and choose the Check Accessibility icon. This will open the accessibility ribbon tab and a side pane that will display accessibility inspection results. At the bottom of this pane, there's a checkbox to keep the accessibility checker running while you work. Consider keeping this on just so you can resolve any issues that arise, which lessens the number of edits necessary when you finish the PowerPoint. Number three, use the default slide layout to help organize the order a screen reader will read back content. Using a default slide layout rather than the blank slide template helps ensure a screen reader will audibly express slide contents in order. 
Default slide layouts in PowerPoint have names such as um, title slide, title and content slide, etc. Default slide layouts have built-in reading order for a screen reader to follow. For example, um, when the title and content slide layout is used, a screen reader will recognize the fields in this default layout and read the title field first, then the content field, then any additional content such as images or graphs. Also, screen readers will always read text boxes last. And the option to choose a default slide layout is currently available on the Home Ribbon tab under the New Slide drop-down menu. Also, another handy tool you can use to verify the order content will be read is named Selection Pane. And one place it's available is on the Accessibility Ribbon tab. When Selection Pane is selected, a list of slide content order can be viewed and rearranged. Um, a note about this list is um, a screen reader will read the content item at the bottom of the list first and then proceed up the list. Number four best practice is to keep slide content clear, concise, and readable. Now, there's a few considerations to discuss with this one. Um, to keep slide content clear, use concise, non-figurative, and accurate language. And I'm going to take the opportunity just to discuss text on PowerPoint slides in general right here. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been with one other person in a restaurant or bar that had a TV hanging on the wall? If so, how easy was it to keep your eyes off the screen and listen to what the other person was saying. I wanted to pose that scenario just to illustrate that it's hard for us to keep our eyes off of a screen. Um, the same thing happens with screens that are behind instructors in a face-to-face -face class or PowerPoints with instructor audio in online courses. If there happens to be a lot of text on a slide, the student's attention will most likely stay on the slide until they've read it and digested it all, missing what the instructor is saying while they do this. Uh, visual repre representations stick with me longer, so I just uh, thought I'd offer that scenario in case it may stick with you and help you keep slide content clear and concise. Now we're still discussing that fourth tip, which is keeping slide content clear, concise, and readable. So to help you be concise, consider the selected theme for the slides. Choose a default theme that is relatively simple with strong foreground and background color contrast. Also, the concept of using white space on a slide is a good thing. White space is the area of the slide without text, images, or graphs. It's negative or blank space that balances the rest of the slide content. Also for readability, um, when it comes to specifically to lists, keep them readable by having a maximum of six points per slide at default font size, and one line of text, no more than two per point. Also for readability, when it comes to the slide as a whole, use standard fonts, and for best readability, the sans serif fonts such as Arial, Verdana, and Helvetica are preferred. 
And just so I'm not being presumptuous um, about listeners knowing what sans serif means, sans is a French word that means without. So sans serif fonts are fonts without serifs. And serifs are those little lines or dashes on the ends of font strokes. Number five tip, use unique slide titles on every slide. It's important for each slide to have a unique title because a person using a screen reader relies on slide titles to know which slide is which. Slide titles provide screen readers, um, screen reader users navigation within the slide deck. Now, for this reason, it's best practice not to repeat or duplicate exact titles on multiple slides and to go ahead and include titles to slides that only contain an image or graph. Number six is to use alt text for informative images. Screen readers read alternative text, or alt text for short, allowing the person using the screen reader a better understanding of the image. To enter alt text, right-click on the image and choose format picture, then alt text. Fill in the description field with descriptive text, which conveys the meaning and context of the image. Number seven is insert charts and graphs with the data tables that are available inside of PowerPoint. Screen readers can read text and values that have been entered into data tables, allowing the person using a screen reader to contextualize what is in each of the table's data cells. When a chart or graph is inserted as an image or a screen capture, screen reader users only hear any entered alt text for that image, not any text or values that may be included in the image. To create a data table, go to insert on the very top menu bar, then choose chart. A data sheet will open where table data can be entered and be sure to include labels for the rows and columns. And to change how the chart displays, that's possible with the chart design tool, which is on the design ribbon tab. Number eight is use meaningful text for links. Screen readers can inform their users that they have encountered a link, so no need for redundant text like click here. And they can also navigate content by tabbing through links, bypassing other content. So it's much easier to identify a link by listening to text that describes the link's destination rather than a long string of letters, numbers, and characters in a URL address. For example, hyperlinking the text EIU Faculty Development and Innovation Center is easier to identify and audibly more pleasing than hearing https colon forward slash forward slash www forward slash eiu forward slash edu forward slash fdic last number nine is just any additional suggestions for accessible powerpoints that i could think of and one is all videos included in a powerpoint file should have captions And if the PowerPoint contains audio and the preference is to convert that PowerPoint file to a video, don't forget to add captions to the converted video file. Feel free to reference the FDIP episode number six for more information on how to caption videos. And last, all 
audio in PowerPoint should have a correlating transcript. And just again, so I'm not presumptuous, a transcript is the speech from audio that has been converted to text. By no means is this an exhaustive list of accessibility edits in Microsoft PowerPoint. Just think of them as best practices and the common issues flagged in a PowerPoint when it's checked for accessibility. As I round out this podcast series on universal design for learning, please, please, please don't feel overwhelmed with the work you may have identified in any of the episodes that you need to make so your course materials are accessible. One of the purposes of the UDL series is to prevent you from experiencing any overwhelm by just bringing these considerations to your attention while you have the time to mindfully respond. Start small with any necessary changes and just keep working toward completion. The topics covered in this series could be excellent work tasks for any student workers or GAs you may already have access to. And if you'd like to have a conversation about how UDL can be applied to your course, please don't hesitate to contact me. My contact information is included in the show notes, along with links to the how-to steps for the edits mentioned. And if you need any technical assistance, each college department on campus is supported by an instructional support specialist, or ISS for short, that can help you. A document listing the current ISS assignments and their contact information is also available in show notes. Or another option to receive their help is to simply send an email describing what you need to support.eiu.edu. Until next time, keep in mind a quote from Elise Roy. When we design for disability first, you often stumble upon solutions that are better than those when we design for the norm. Thank you for listening and continuing to learn.